Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor Dana continues our Strange Stories series with a look at Ezekiel and the Valley of the Dry Bones. Let's listen. This morning, we are continuing on in our sermon series on strange stories of the Bible. And this morning, I have a seriously strange story for you guys. And we're going to read through the entire story because there's just no stopping point. And it's going to make more sense if we can read through it and then kind of dive in and unpack it. So the story starts out in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, And flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet a vast multitude Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place on you, or place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Now I told you that this is a pretty strange text, and there's a lot of strange stuff going on in this story. To start with, this story is taking place in a valley where there are all sorts of dead, lifeless bodies. These bodies are decayed, and there is nothing but just bones that are in this valley. So that is strange to say the least. But then we are told that Ezekiel starts prophesying to these bones, and the bones start to come together. They're coming together bone to bone and making rattling noises as they start to take shape and form a body, flesh, begins to appear on these bones. Another graphic image that's perplexing and strange. 
Then Ezekiel prophesies a third time to these bones. And breath starts to enter the bones. And what used to be a valley of scattered, decayed bones starts to be a vast multitude of skeletons at this point. Skeletons that are standing, they are walking around, flesh are on their bones. It is a super strange story. And believe it or not, this is an Easter story. The lectionary has this uh, text chosen and listed for Easter morning. Now, I don't know many ministers that are going to preach on this text on Easter morning, but I think that we could make the leap that this is a resurrection story of sorts. As strange as it starts out with dead, lifeless bones in a valley, Ezekiel does bring these bones to life and resurrects them. So I guess we could say it would be appropriate for Easter morning. It does illustrate for us what God is capable of doing, the power that God has, the power of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection that's capable of bringing new life out of dead, lifeless bones. It depicts how God is our life-giving source that breathes life into each of us, the one that breathes life into our seemingly lifeless situations sometimes. And maybe you can resonate with that illustration of the valley of the dry bones. Maybe you can think of a time or two that you went through something that felt similar to what's being described in this text, where perhaps you felt dead and lifeless inside, where you didn't have a lot of hope about the future. Perhaps you were questioning God's presence in your life, his activity in your life. Maybe you've gone through a season of life where your job has left you feeling lifeless and drained. Or you've watched family members struggle that left you feeling hopeless. Perhaps there was a death in the family that just took your breath away. I know that I have been in that place before, and I can attest that during those seasons of life, you truly do feel broken and lifeless. You feel like you are walking through a season of life that could be described as a valley of dry bones. What this passage teaches us, though, is that even when you do feel lifeless and broken, God will show up. God will show up and slowly breathe life into you. God will show up and slowly breathe life into your situation. If you recall from that story, it took Ezekiel several times of him prophesying to these bones before they actually started to take shape. It took Ezekiel prophesying three times and speaking these commands to the bones before they started to come together and to form a body and were able to start walking around again. Likewise, it can be a slow process for us as well. It can take some time before God's life and energy starts to fill our bodies and generate new life within. It can take quite some time before we see hope, where new life emerging from the rubble, a new beginning. And so you may be wondering, well, what do we do in the meantime? What do we do when we're just sitting in those lifeless valleys, surrounded by pain and heartache, unable to see hope or the new beginning ahead? 
unable to see the light in the darkness? And the answer to that is that we draw near to God. During those seasons of life that are hard and painful and cause you to doubt God's presence, God's activity in your life, God's power and control in this world, in those moments, that is when you draw near to God. And to describe this idea, this notion of drawing near in more detail, I want us to turn to the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, it's this book about keeping the faith, running the race that is set before you, persevering in the face of adversity. One of the most frequent commands in the book of Hebrews is to draw near. This command occurs seven times throughout the book of Hebrews. And so I want to share three of those verses with you this morning. The first one is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And the final verse is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who draws near to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The great passion of the writer of Hebrews was that people would draw near to God, that God's people would seek him continually, that we would approach God's throne knowing and trusting that God would equip us with whatever we needed for whatever was ahead of us. The author of Hebrews was intent on drawing his readers closer to God, drawing his readers closer to God so that they would have fellowship with him, so that we wouldn't settle for a Christian life that is distant from God so that God wouldn't be a distant thought, but rather a near and present reality. The overarching idea is that we draw near to God so that we can experience communion with him. One commentary on the book of Hebrews stated, drawing near is not moving from one place or another. Instead, it is a directing of the heart into the presence of God. So drawing near means communing with God, with a sincere heart. The author of Hebrews says we do it with a sincere heart and also full assurance of our faith. What does that mean? What does it mean that we have full assurance of our faith? It means that we have confidence, we have boldness about what God can do. It means that we draw near with confidence, especially when the heart wavers especially when the heart grows cold, especially when the heart trembles with uncertainty, especially when it is lifeless and broken. As we contemplate what it means to draw near to God, what that look like, looks like and how we accomplish that in our own personal lives, then I wanted to share a couple of stories with you this morning. And both of these stories took place while I was on a mission trip in Malawi. A few years back, 
I traveled to Lalongwe, Malawi. It's a small, remote village in southern Malawi. And while I was there, I got to meet with many different people that our presbytery partners with. So I got to go to the hospital in Malawi and travel to several remote clinics around that area. I got to um, meet with a missionary in that village that we partner with and go to the seminary that's in that village as well. I also got to meet with the synod executive. And so I'll share stories with you about the missionary that I met and also the synod executive. To start with, the synod executive, his name is Bosco. And Bosco had recently taken his position um, as synod executive, and I think he was just feeling the stress of that position, just how overwhelming and all-encompassing that role can be. In Malawi, the total population is 19 million and they have about 8 million professing Christians. So about half of their population. I mean, it's an astronomical number of Christians there. So in a small remote village like Lalongwe, it would not be strange to have 1,000 to 2,000 people who are coming to worship at a church on a Sunday morning. It would not be strange to have 400 to 500 kids in a youth group. And there's also a shortage of pastors in Malawi. So as a synod executive who is overseeing a pretty large area and all of the churches in that area, it comes with a lot of responsibility and therefore a lot of stress. While meeting with Vasco, he talked about the good work that the seminary was doing in that village, the growing and vibrant churches. He also talked about a more personal experience one in which where he used this phrase, dry bones. He talked about how the busyness of his position was taking a toll on him, that there was chaos in and around Malawi and a shortage of pastors and a lot of Christians who needed to be nurtured in their faith. And he said, I have dry bones. I am tired. I am weary. I am getting burnt out. And then he talked about a recent experience that someone from the radio station had contacted him and they wanted Vasco to lead a Bible study on the radio once a month. And so Vasco thought about how he was already tired and this would be another task, another thing on his to-do list. And instead of saying no, he said yes. And that once a month ended up turning into once a week. He loved it so much that he is doing it weekly now. Every week, he comes on the radio and he talks about the ways that God is at work in his life, in his village, and all around the community. It turns out that instead of pulling away from God, this is how he drew near. And in drawing near, that is how he found what his dry, lifeless bones needed. Turns out that is what he needed in order for God to breathe new life into his weary soul. The missionary in that village that I got to spend time with, her name is Marilise. And Marilise has been a missionary in South Africa for decades and decades. She has spent her life serving the people in South Africa. But she too talked about how she was feeling dead and lifeless and dried up, how she was experiencing this dryness in her bones to the point where she was contemplating retiring. So while I was there, my group and I, we went on a safari trip, and we took Marilise with us. 
We had a great time on this trip. We saw so much wildlife. We saw elephants everywhere. We saw monkeys and hippos and just beautiful colored birds and zebras and giraffes and beautiful landscapes everywhere you turned. During our safari, safari trip, uh, Mara Lise described how her cup was being filled, how her cup was running over. She took time away from the mission field to draw near God, to recenter and to commune with God in the beauty of God's creation. For most of us, we are going to go through a season or two, maybe even four, that feel like a valley of dry bones. And this valley will look different for all of us. For some of us, it may be because of medical issues. It may be because you're watching a family member struggle with addiction. It may be because of your job that is just draining you. Whatever the case may be, we will face this at some point or another. And the antidote to that dryness is that we draw near to God. This idea of drawing near is going to look different for each of us as well. For Vasco, drawing near meant having a new weekly task where he took time to notice what God was doing in his life, what God was doing in the immediate community. And that is what breathed new life into his bones. For Marilise, drawing near meant retreating to this beautiful place, retreating with God so that she could be with God in the natural world. For each of us, drawing near to God will look different. Our way of drawing near will be specific to our individual needs. But there is one thing that remains consistent in this notion of drawing near. It means that we reconnect with God. It means that we go to this life-giving force and we seek out what our weary soul needs. It means that we commune with God instead of pulling away. And we let God breathe new life into us. Today, we've heard from Kim in the Stephen ministry, in this wonderful ministry that all of the Stephen ministers provide. Perhaps this is one way that God can breathe new life into your weary bones. Our Stephen ministers are here to support and walk alongside anyone who's facing difficulties in life. Our Stephen ministers go through extensive training. They have a heart and passion for helping and supporting people who are facing adversity in life. Our Stephen ministers help to breathe new life into us when we are going through these seasons of life that we could describe as a valley of dry bones. And so maybe for some of us, drawing near means that we get connected with a Stephen minister. No matter what this phrase drawing near looks like for you, may we all embrace the ways that God wants to breathe new life into us. And as we draw near, may we remember that God is powerful beyond belief. He's powerful enough to create life out of death. May we take time to commune with God and allow him to breathe new life into our weary souls. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or 
visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.